welcome to After Pulse, the extra podcast from the hosts of Community Pulse. And now here's Mary Thangball, Jason Hand, and PJ Haggerty. Um, I think it's interesting, actually, before we even get started, I think it's funny that we've been talking about this Six Sigma tool for, that they're using over at PagerDuty. I've been building um, a thing called To Go. I'd like to go or not to go. I don't know what the name's going to be, but the idea is like, you know, different, different um, interested parties logging in saying, this is what I think the value of this conference is. This is the amount of spend we would have. This is how much we paid last time. Is the, is, will the value be, will, will there be any kind of ROI, whether that be financial loyalty, community, goodwill, whatever. Um, and you know, like a star rating system. Like I've been working on that for like two years. Is it like um, a Yelp for conferences or something? No, that's Comfrater. That's an entirely different thing that I'm working on okay. where organizers, sponsors, and uh, attendees will be able to rate a conference based on their experience. Um, but yeah, Comfrater, I hope to have out in the next few weeks, actually. Nice. Very cool. I feel like at some point in everyone's arc of advocate work or evangelism, DevRel, we've all come to the realiz- realization we need that kind of a tool. And like all of us have figured out a all of us have taken a stab at trying to create something. Exactly. This is like my and third attempt. And here we attempt. are still with nothing. Yep. Well, we got that's con- the thing. We got confer, which looks interesting. Yeah. But yeah, I think, and also the other point I want to make is, I think, you know, uh, I know Maddie Stratton was working on a project for, I think more for conference organizers. Um, there seems to be these... Just, there's all these ideas around how we can make both going to conferences, putting on conferences, deciding which conferences to go to, like all these things around conferences. There's like a whole industry mm-hmm. and there's not much out there like providing great service for it. And then on top of that, I think us who have been doing this for a number of years are to the point where we are like rolling over a little bit and saying, yeah, okay, we do need some sort of quantitative measurement on how there's too many conferences now. We can't mm-hmm. just say, yeah, we're going to go to all the conferences. We got to make real number data driven decisions on which ones we're going to go to. Well, I, th- I think, I think it also depends on where your company is and it's, it's journey. Like I think with startups, a lot of times you do focus on going to all the conferences because you need to find your community first. That's true. And I think when you're more established, you're like, okay, well we're definitely more in this space or this community or what have you. And now we need, now that's when you need the quantitative measure. Um, yeah, but, but yeah. I would, I'm going to jump in there because I've actually worked with a number of companies where I go in and I ask them about conferences or about community efforts they're doing in general and they list off, here's the 15 conferences we're at in the next six months, right? And that's, that's all they're doing for community mm-hmm. building at this time. And their conferences might be anywhere from, you know, front-end web dev to ops to everything in between. And it's, they're a five-person team that's spending mm-hmm. most of their time on the road. They aren't able to implement any of the feedback they're getting. They aren't able to do anything with the conversations that they're having. They aren't able to do anything around strategy because exactly. they're so busy focused just on conferences. And so not, I, not only that, but I think a lot of time those, those companies are, are of, the, of the, uh, the, 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 the incorrect opinion that uh, just showing up is, is the point. And right. yeah, so you're, you're just showing up. You're not actually participating in the community. You're not implementing the changes that you're seeing. You're, not, you're spending too much time on the road. And who's building the fucking product? Right, right. More, more is not always better. Right, right. Uh, 
And I think, I think as more companies start to realize that being more picky about the conferences that they're going to, or, you know, I've, I've worked with companies where, you know, the end of the time that I'm working with them, we can take a step back and go, honestly, you shouldn't be at conferences right now, period, because you don't know who your specific audience is yet. And you need to spend some time working on personas and talking to people Mm -hmm. who are your beta users and beta testers and your early core community to then go back and figure out, cool, what's our event strategy based on the information that we now have? So I think there's a balance there between let's go to all the conferences to test all of these things and figure out who's truly interested and saying, you know, we need to figure out who our core community is before we spend tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars. I I 100% agree. Yeah. I, 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 and I I think what, what I'm saying is a lot of times with early startups, it's, it's a matter of, not spending thousands of dollars, but figuring out what the, like the, the things that we can get to, what are the ones that we think we have a shot at, as opposed to like, we've been doing this for years. We know 100% we're going to be at every PHP conference because that's, that's our audience. It's what we do. You know, it's, I think for some products it's easier like, Oh, we're PHP storm. Well, yeah, you're not going to show up at a Ruby conference. That doesn't make any sense. Um, but, you know, there's, there's things that, that cross lines and things that, that are blurry, you know, like infrastructure and, you know, platforms as a service and, and various things. And, I mean, Jason, probably working at the, the largest of all the companies that, that we discuss, you, you have the opportunity to say, technically, yes, we could go to every conference because we have a stake in every conference, but you actually need to know more than anyone else, where is the value? Uh, yeah, I mean, we, we still make, make very, you know, like I said, data-driven decisions on which ones we're going to go to. But it even at Microsoft scale, I mean, we still have concerns over burnout. We were just talking mm-hmm. about burnout yesterday. So I'm going to be doing the Ignite tour again this year. And I thought I was signing up for maybe around 15 trips, 15 different stops on, out of 30. That's the way we sort of divided up the work. But then I just found out it's probably going to be more like 12. Um, but now they're trying to get it down to 10, nine, maybe even because they're worried about us doing too much. Um, so it, there's like, well, that's responsible. That's nice. Yeah, uh, it's great. I mean, I'm looking forward to, you know, getting to some more places. <laughs> I hadn't, I'd already made that, like made that sort of trade off in my mind of, of what my life looks like on, you know, this kind of extensive travel. But at the same time, I appreciate what they're doing. And so there's, there's the company has to look at who, what, what business uh, value do we get or what value do we get that is um, good for the business when we decide which conferences to just be at in general, have a representation there. Um, are we trying to be just a voice and be like a partner with the, the, that community or, you know, just be part of that community or so there's that part. And then there's also the, the part of who are you sending to this? Even to, even to like, I, I don't know if Amanda goes to a lot of the conferences or if she's more of the, on the logistics and decision side, but the people that you are flying all over the place to actually man the booth or, you know, stand at the booth, that, that is something you should think about too. You know, like we should be humane is the best term I can think of about how we send our people out to go do these things because I've definitely shown up at a conference, did not want to be there, stood in the booth, did not want to be in the booth, did not want to talk to anybody. And had I and maybe others been paying attention to how many of these I was going to have to go to in a short amount of time, we would have done something different. 
and, and it would have, we would have had more conversations. We might, maybe would have had more leads if that was what we were going for on one particular event. So there's just, there's a lot of moving parts. I think when you start talking about staffing and mm-hmm. all that. Well, I, th- I think it's interesting too, is I feel, I feel as if basically like I see a speaker, this is speaker wise, not so much, you know, standing in the booth or, or sponsoring or anything like that. But speaker wise, I feel like there's people I definitely see more in the first half of the year. And then there's a separate group of people that I definitely see more in the second half of the year. And it's because that's their, you know, I, I obviously have a more extent, extensive travel schedule than most people. I get that. Um, yet there's people that are like, you know, they're more spring people and there's, there's more autumn people. And I think that's true of speakers as well. They're really like, I'm going to do all this work up front for six months or, you know, a few months. And then you'll see me out on the speaking circuit later because, you know, I'll discuss the work that I've been doing or I'll get these speaking gigs out of the way and come back to them. You know, I'll come back, you know, and do my work in the latter six months of the year or whatever, you know, not all of us have that swinging option. I think the three of us are pretty much year round people, but there are definitely like a, a subgroup of speakers that I see in the beginning of the year versus the end of the year. And I'm seeing more companies doing that with their teams as well. Not just individuals choosing to do that, but companies saying, look, you know what? Choose two quarters out of the year that you're going to be traveling and two quarters out of the year that you're going to be here at home. Mm -hmm. And part of that is we need your focused time on content, (laughs) on documentation, on sample applications, on community building online versus offline, right? We mentioned during the episode about the, I think Matt did, about the, you know, there's all the prep time of, of writing your talk and then the recovery time afterward. And so right. I might have, you know, well, looking forward, I have two things that I'm speaking at. Three, if you count OzCon, which by the time this releases will be done, but <laughs> three speaking engagements in the next three months. And there is a good amount of my time this week and a good amount of my time toward the end of the month and a good amount of my time middle of August and then, you know, end of August, beginning of September, that's all going to be dedicated to those conferences even before I set foot on the plane. And so figuring out, you know, not only is it a, a engagement that, that takes place during those dates, but making sure that you're taking care of yourself and protecting the rest of the work that you need to do at other times as well. So it relates back to burnout as well as focus, the ability to focus on other projects. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, these events are not flashes in the pan. They don't just emerge, like especially if you're speaking or it's a big event where there's, you know, like, a, like an Ignite or like you know, reInvent where there's just, there's so much logistics that have to go into just getting your, your booth set up and all that kind of stuff that, there's a lot of work. And, and one of the reasons like PJ mentioned, you know, we're kind of like year round speakers. I'm right now I'm, I had to put my foot down and say, I'm done until like November. I'm not going anywhere. Um, and the reason is, is because the tour will kick off in November, but up until then I'm preparing for the tour. I'm writing right. the content. I'm learning the talks. I, you know, I've got a lot of stuff and like it's a huge thing. So there's a lot of moving parts and people to coordinate with. And so the hard, I shouldn't say the hardest part of the job, but definitely a big and hard part of the job is what I'm engaged in now or just about to be engaged in. And then come November, I just take all the stuff I just, you know, spent months working on and I just go talk about it. Mm-hmm. And so there's like the other side of my job. Um, so for me, 
you know, it's not really a conference season. It's because I'm actually, I've committed to one specific, you know, Microsoft tour conference type of event. I, I may not speak at any other events at all just because it, it's going to be May before I'm done with all this stuff. And I'm, I may not really have the energy to go to speak at other conferences. So there's, there's just, you know, a lot of like moving pieces and yeah. things you got to consider. Well, I think, I think it's, major, go ahead. I was going to say that's a major reason why like, Anytime people start talking about metrics, my clients start talking about metrics and going, well, you know, we have to speak at six conferences next quarter. I go, great. What are you doing this quarter? And they start listing off the like 15 things they're responsible for this quarter. And I go, great. What portion of your time are you going to be spending working on the conferences that you're supposed to be speaking at next quarter? And there's so many stakeholders at companies, so many, even ICs that don't think through the fact that, okay, speaking isn't just those couple days, like I mentioned, right? It's finding the right conferences. It's writing the abstracts. It's taking the time to submit the CFPs. It's waiting for the responses. It's getting the response. It's filling out any of the speaker agreement paperwork. It's booking travel. It's writing your talk. It's 12 things in and of itself. Mm -hmm. None of it is just abstractions is happening august 21st through 23rd right i'll worry about this august 20th and then and also like depending on the person or maybe the company and like the way they've structured it none of that um happens in a specific order like that's not you know Mm -hmm. like for for years i would just submit a cfp like i just log into the you know cfp submission tool and like think of something off the top of my head you know just like yeah what i feel like what you know what was i just reading about or something what, what conversation i just have and then figure the out like what the slides and what the actual talk is maybe as soon as like a couple of weeks before the event whereas now i come up with you know the idea i write it all out i think it through i might even start working on the actual deck before i've ever submitted it anywhere and so that's more of a personal preference on how I like to do things because then I know I can just like use that one talk over and over again, different stuff, but everybody's different, you know? And like, if you're talking about an engineer who wants to start being more involved and they're not really specifically just focused on DevRel, but it's somebody who's, you know, on the engineering team and they've got ideas. Those are actually great. Those are what conference organizers I think want to hear is true case studies from real engineers, Mm -hmm. but they do have to start thinking about, you know, is this an idea and should we start off with a blog post so you can sort of really synthesize your thoughts or are you good enough at writing? Can you articulate a really good abstract? And, and that's like a, that's work too that an engineering person has to sit down with like the DevRel team or DevRel person and have that conversation and say, I can coach you through this, but you, you have to tell me like what works best for you. (laughs) Yeah. And then you got to do the actual work. Well, I I think it's, it's, go ahead. (laughs) Um, I, I think I think the interesting thing here is is part of it too is perception, like you know, kind of like what what you're both saying is this idea that like oh I'll submit a talk and then magically show up and 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 do the talk. Uh, it's kind of like it, it from a DevRel perspective, like I think a lot of people that I that I've worked with in the past, like that are above me, are like oh cool he's going to that conference. Well we, we can pile it on until August 20th before he leaves for abstractions. Um, and it's it's similar to when I was in an engineering role. And people who were not technical but were above me would be like, oh, yeah, well, you have a ticket. Like, you should be done with that in a few minutes. Or, you know, oh, you're compiling, so clearly you're not busy. What? Like, that's not, that's not how this works. It's not how talks work. Um, and I, I've, I've definitely had the opportunity to see people who 
either weren't given the, op the, the ability to write their talk properly or were not prepared properly and have gone up on stage and just uh, collapsed, just blown it. And my um, assumptions are too that, Mary, your talk that you're given on, on documenting your work, like this is a good point in case of that is that if, we've, if we make our work visible and we can show our, our leadership team, I want to, one of my goals, one of my objectives is to speak at, you know, conferences next quarter. So in order to do that, I have to come up with ideas. I have to write it out a blog post. I have to turn it into a CFP or, you know, I got to do all these things and then put that in your work tracking tool, whether that's, um, I don't know what everybody's using these days, but put into your work tracking tool. It says, here's, here's something I have to set aside work to do. Yeah. I can go write a blog post on X, but I have to, I have to like, figure out the trade-off. If I'm going to work on that, then I have to set this aside. And if, if you're not making that type of like stuff visible to the people that you answer to, then it just, it, it kind of becomes a hard conversation when they want you to do something, but you know, in the back of your mind, I've got a conference, so you know, I'm aiming towards. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think part of that too, part of the process of writing all of those things out is also being explicit about how much time you think each of those things is going to take you. And that's going to be different for everyone, right? Like I can write up for me how long each of those things takes me. Mine's going to be different than Jason's, which is going to be different than PJ's. Like I know for me, it was fascinating the other day, there was a conversation happening in the DevRel Collective and someone was like, I keep writing abstracts and I can't stop and I need someone to stop me. And someone else was like, yeah, writing abstracts is addictive. And I was like, no, no, it's not. I hate, I hate <laughs> writing abstracts. Like there are conferences that I know I should have submitted to that I would have loved to speak at that I simply didn't speak at largely because I didn't write the CFP. And it's not that I didn't have the time, right? I can sit down and write one, but something about writing abstracts just makes my brain freeze. Like distilling a 30 minute talk or a 20 minute talk or a 45 minute talk into like three Five sentences. sentences. Yeah. <laughs> it terrifies me. And I'm, I am a writer. I am a journalist. <laughs> I have written a book. I write blog posts all the time. Like writing is not an issue for me, but figuring out a way to distill things into a short snippet that is enticing and intriguing and communicates everything I want to communicate is incredibly difficult for me. Well, here, here's, here's a pro tip. This is, this is a pro tip from the page. Mm -hmm. Um, just because you write the abstract a certain way doesn't mean that's how your talk is going to turn out anyway. So like, I, I have many times written an abstract and like when it, the talk gets accepted, I go and reread that abstract. I'm like, I'm in no way interested in this in the way that I was interested when I wrote these three sentences. You're going to get something different than what I just said. Um, and it'll be tangentially related. Yeah, it'll like, be, it'll the, title, the title will pull it all together. Right, right. You know, when, when I, I actually just gave a talk called uh, The Pony Express, uh, how innovation and technology moves fast. And part of it, the abstract was written because I was reading an article about the Pony Express lasting 18 months, which, sorry, I just gave away a lot about that talk. I still have to do it a couple of times, but whatever. Um, the idea though is the whole thing, like that was what I was interested in when I wrote it. The talk is a very different talk. Um, the talk is more about, you know, like how we have these philosophies and some are flash in the pan and some are not and how complicated it gets. But I've like I think out of the like the main five talks I'm submitting this year, um, almost none of them. The abstract has almost nothing to do with the talk itself. Right. right. Well, and circling back to to metrics and how we figure out what where to submit or whether a conference has been valuable afterward, 
it's, it, I love Amanda's matrix that she brought up. I love the confer site that, that Matt has come up with and is maintaining. Um, but I think there's the question too of, and Jason, you mentioned this earlier, you know, our objective as a DevRel team might be different than the marketing objective, which might be different than the sales objective, which might be different than the end objective. And how do you kind of please all those people? And part of what I've done in the past is spreadsheets as well, right? And so figuring out, cool, priorities for marketing is lead generation. How many leads do we get? Priorities for DevRel is conversations. How many awesome conversations did we have? Priorities for sales is how many people did we specifically pass off into the sales funnel? Great. Product is feedback either on our product or on our competitors. And kind of, again, putting all of those things into one place so that you can evaluate everything across the board and go, cool, more than just my saying, I had a fantastic time at this conference, I wanna go again. We now have a measurable data-driven way to determine whether or not that conference was good, whether or not I should speak again, whether or not we should attend again, whether or not we should sponsor again, all of the above. Yeah, um, and when, as you were just rattling all that off, like it just, made me remember or realize we use a, a service called Airtable um, for like tracking everything we do pretty much like daily activities, uh, content we're putting out there, where we're speaking, which conferences do we think we should, you know, try to uh, find somebody to help with, you know, sponsorship, all that, everything we do goes into Airtable. Um, and then the problem becomes that we, we spend a lot of time tracking this stuff. Like it, it, it takes effort you know, even if it's five minutes to just sit down and like track everything you've been doing today, um, which you'll get pushback on. I know I, I don't love doing that kind of stuff. So there's, there's that issue where you're not always probably going to get the information because it's already friction at the very beginning of just tracking that stuff. And then, then you get all this great data into the system and there's almost like data overload and there's so much to sort through. And when you don't even really know, you can't all agree on what the goal is. There's no great way. There's no like standardized way to sort through this data and say like, there's, these are the four golden signals. Like a fifth, if it meets these criteria, this is definitely worth us going to. It just, it's, it's almost like you have to I'll just give everybody access to the, to whatever data you're collecting and let them sort out what's important to them. And then, but that still isn't for decision-making. It's just really so that we're all have being transparent about where we're sending our money and where we're sending our people and why we've made the decisions we do. It's, it's about pulling that out of the silos and figuring out, okay, well, it makes sense for, you know, maybe company X to go to this one event if they're in the situation where they really just need a ton of leads. They just need to be able, like, that's, the, that's where their business is. And other companies, they're not really there. They're much more mature and it's really just about being part of the community. And so here's why we're going to go to that. So I guess the point I'm trying to make is like there's a lot of decision makers sometimes on stuff like this and making the, de making the information just more democratic and, and available and transparent, I think is at least at Microsoft made it easiest, easier for us to all work autonomously and just go do what we think is the right thing for us to do. And then we can have conversations about it at any point in time. Nothing's ever done in a black box. Right. Um, so I don't know where I was going with that, but that <laughs> seemed to me like the data collection has become super important, but we're still not necessarily making decisions on it all the time, but we're having a lot of conversations about the, about 
what's going on and why we're doing it. And, you know, I, we've just sort of gone through our like third reorg in just the advocacy team since I've started. And most of that is because we are course correcting. We're, we're collecting data on everything. And then once we realize something isn't quite working like the way we wanted it to, we change it up. We shift things around and we, you know, we, we try something new. So, which I love, but we're doing that based on like the information we're collecting. And then also sort of the gut that people will communicate in those conversations. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And an episode about data driven decisions and everything else is probably in our future because that's a whole other topic of conversation that we can cover. We we could call it the spreadsheet, the most powerful piece of technology ever developed. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) And I mean, and it's not untrue. We all know, like if you know how to program spreadsheets, if you know how to make macros, you are an engineer of the highest degree. This has been another episode of After Pulse with Mary Thangwall at Mary underscore Grace on Twitter. Jason Hand at Jason Hand on Twitter. And PJ Hangry at Asplenic on Twitter. Learn more at communitypulse.io or at community underscore pulse on Twitter. We'll see you next time.